values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, happy Friday. Thanks for being with us. Um, on the economic front, U.S. jobless claims edged down in the last week, but you, the U.S. economy added over 500,000 jobs in January. The estimate was about 187,000, so it overperformed by a huge margin. I don't know exactly what that means. I want you to hear from some of the experts. Caleb Silver from Investopedia, editor-in-chief. Where did we see these gains? There is still a lot of slack in the labor market right now. Job gains in leisure and hospitality, professional and business services, and healthcare. Really, tens of thousands of jobs added last month. When we thought we were going to see more layoffs, it looks like a lot of companies were trying to hold on to workers, and a lot of people were trying to get back into the workforce. That's that's good news for the American economy. That's good news for the workforce. And now the same same guy, Caleb Silver, talking about this measure. The job market is too strong right now, and especially when you consider that the Federal Reserve is trying to cool it down. With 11 million job openings out there, especially in leisure and hospitality, professional and business services and healthcare, that just shows you there's a lot of slack in the labor market and companies are not ready to part with workers yet by and large. So here's uh, an idea. This is part, uh, and this may not even be connected in a lot of people's minds, but in looking this at this myself, we have this huge issue at the southern border of the United States where people are having a de facto immigration system by abusing the asylum system to come into the U.S. We aren't able to stop them from coming with telling them not to come. We are, uh, the president's getting hammered by people on his side of the aisle because he's made a stand about some nations that have slowed down the flow. If we were to create, very quickly create, which I believe we can using an existing system and an expansion of it, and I'm not a diplomacy expert, I'm not an expert in this area, but it seems to me what we could be doing is creating, and we could have been doing this over the last year since we've been discussing it, creating a guest worker program. We have a a visa program for guest workers in this country, especially in high-tech jobs and jobs that Americans are not necessarily trained to do. We know that that system, as we expand the chip industry in the U.S., uh, we are going to have to expand that visa program for those specialized workers where Americans are not trained in that arena. But what about the other jobs that they are filling? Um, We would be able to slow down the traffic at the border with false asylum claims if people had the ability to apply for a work visa in their own country, get sponsored into the U.S., they would pay taxes here in the U.S., they could come and go freely across the border, they could send money home, they could have bank accounts. As long as they obeyed American laws, they weren't taking American welfare services, contributing to our economy, filling these jobs, and slowing down the illegal traffic at the border, it seems like this would cover a lot of of bases, would check a lot of boxes. And so uh, the concern, of course, is if our economy does slow down, what happens then? Well, then what you do is those those visas have to be revoked or at least temporarily suspended. And the American worker has first dibs and, and the world understands that. But we look at how we do things, whether it's agriculture in Yuma this time of year where so much of the U.S. food supply, the salads, the leafy greens that we eat are are from Yuma. It is a workforce that is absolutely necessary. I've, I've talked at length. We've talked with the Build Your Future Arizona people and other organizations that we are dramatically understaffed in the construction world in Arizona. In the past, we've heard from people saying, well, when you bring in – because this was the knock on – and there's a lot of reasons to not like illegal immigration. But when the immigration front first happened, it used to be flipped. The roles were reversed for a long time. 
and that was that the Democrats were the border hawks. I could play you audio cut after audio cut of former President Clinton demanding money during a State of the Union address to to arrest and deport illegal immigrants into this country. Former President Obama, when he was a senator, said the American people have a right to be furious about people coming here and taking our jobs and our welfare services. Um, Dianne Feinstein, senator from California, called people coming in the country illegally and taking welfare services leeches. Her word, not mine. You go back and that was they were border. Hawks and the principle behind them being border hawks was driven in support of labor unions and American workers. That the concern was they were going to come here. People are coming here working illegally. Businesses are paying them under the table, much lower wages, and it's pushing down wages for the American public. Well, that's not where we are. Now, I don't believe that was the issue then as much as they claimed it was, but look where we are now. Where we are seeing people, um, businesses starved for labor. We also have a border that is being overwhelmed by people that are claiming asylum that are not entitled to asylum. Solving those problems or greatly diminishing both of those problems at the same time is at least worth the conversation. Now, there's a lot I've said at the beginning of this. I'm not an expert. There may be many reasons why this isn't necessarily a great idea, but on its face, why aren't we looking at it? 517,000 jobs. He said there's a couple of million jobs out there still available that people have. I think maybe even said 11 million jobs out there that are not being filled where the world could come here, solve some of their economic problems in their country by sending money home, not us giving billions of dollars in aid to countries. This could really help in many different ways with our economy. I want you to hear just a couple of other things quickly. Rebecca Jarvis from ABC uh, talking about the inflation numbers. American families right now are still paying about $371 more a month, especially when you look at food at the grocery store. It's up 10.5% from a year ago. Fed very likely will see today's jobs report as an indicator that they can keep hiking interest rates in order to bring that inflation down. So, you know, this is, again, for the future. We'll see how this works out. Right now, the job market remains strong. So she goes on to talk about where the strengths are. Leisure and hospitality. There are some government jobs. There's retail jobs. There's really very widespread strength. Some of the areas, like some of the, the very specific tech areas, you have seen some moderate weakness there. But overall, it's strength. And it's stronger when you look back at November and December. Those months were also upgraded more jobs than were anticipated. So we're going to keep our eye on this. We're going to talk more about it as the morning goes on. We get more information out and what may be happening and what definitely is happening. Um, in a moment... Um, first of all, I am a huge fan of the WM Phoenix Open. I love this event. It is uniquely Arizona, and it's fantastic. And the money it raises for Arizona nonprofits, incredible. We've also got the Super Bowl. But there is an ugly side to big events. We're going to talk about that ugly side and what groups of people are trying to do to stop it or at least slow it down dramatically. All that's coming up here in just a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. We are, I think we're all excited, at least I am, and everybody I know is excited. The Super Bowl is here once again. The economic impact, the buzz that will be around, the atmosphere, the great weather, showing off the great state that we have, and the availability of things to do here is second to none. I absolutely love when big events come here. Every year, the WM Phoenix Open, um, I've got some friends that are on the Thunderbird. 
Thunderbirds. Most, if you're new to Arizona, you may not know who the Thunderbirds are. The Thunderbirds are a group of Arizona businessmen that have started. This organization started decades ago as a charitable organization of of of, uh, of people, the business people in the community. And these men, it's it's an invitation only organization. But what they do is charitable work all year round, all volunteer, raising millions and millions of dollars, supporting Special Olympics Arizona and many other great things that they do. And a large amount of that money comes through the money raised by them during the WM Phoenix Open. Millions of dollars. And then when the tournament's over, they gather together in a room where they write checks and they let these organizations know that they've qualified for these dollars. And millions of charitable dollars flows from that big party that everybody sees. It's legendary on 16. It's legendary on 17 now. The tournament is, you know, there's a couple of hundred thousand people out there on Saturday. It's like nothing else. And it's a huge party. But when it's all over, when the bird's nest, which is a completely separate concert event all week long, um, when it's uh, when those things are over immensely, you start having um, the checks written. That's when you find out how how really terrific these organizations are. Um, anyway, so I want to talk a little bit more about something else because I'm telling you how happy I am that these events are here. It is an amazing thing that these events are in Arizona. But now I want to talk about the downside of it. The hospitality, tourism, and sports industries come together. Before Super Bowl to fight human trafficking, um, it is the underbelly of things here in Arizona, um, and happens with these big events. Um, uh, with these big events, so um, this is where I want to talk about what's happening, what the what these organizations are doing. Um, this is I want you to hear a former Mexican congresswoman and human rights activist talking about this very topic. 2022, 1,300 girls from 10 to 19 were missing, 20% more than in the years before. So there's a story that I pulled today. It's a national story. Human trafficking victim recounts horrors of life at the mercy of criminals. And it's a young girl that was abused thousands of times, she said, thousands of times. Um... She was forced to have sex between 30 and 40 times per day from the ages of 12 to 16. She was beaten mercilessly. What she thought was people that were going to save her and rescue her from her family in a, a, a rough life as a child, she found out that that person that was supposed to be her savior turned out to be her pimp, and she was pimped out. Now, I will tell you there is no such thing, and I learned this, and I'm not big on semantics, but this meant something to me. There is no such thing as a child prostitute. These are rape victims. And it it is not a victimless crime. And the trafficking that happens, the reason why I bring it up in conjunction with these events is not to tarnish the events, but law enforcement knows when big events happen, predators follow the big events. And unfortunately, it's the underbelly of what's going on. So the story, and it's from Cronkite News, uh, said, uh, talks about they talk with people that have been victims of sex trafficking. I love what law enforcement has done over the last decade and what they're and trying to train the general public and people that might be exposed to this. So a lot of times you'll find out res- in resorts, the staff at resorts, especially, you know, the casino resorts, Talking Stick and others, um, where the staff is taught what to look for when you see something that looks out of place, when you see this. And in 
order for them to then try to spot it when it's happening and break this up when it's going on. Um, finding missing, they know that some of these missing girls, unfortunately, are being trafficked and they've come from all over the country. So they'll have pictures. They've even gone as far as to take trading cards and or turn them into, you know, what looks like that. So it has a sports theme to it and say to people here, take this. If you see this girl, call this number and try to, and they have recovered so many girls that were lost that were being trafficked in this regard. The city of Phoenix Police Department, the fire department, have unveiled their plan for the Super Bowl. The police department bomb squad, presence in public transportation, the use of drones, the things that they are planning on doing, the fire department, and it's a medical cart, what they're going to do for Super Bowl. It is something that I think all of us have to uh, think about, and it's the underbelly. These are the, these are the predators I talk about often, that people with predatory behavior look at situations. I look at the Super Bowl. I look at the WM Phoenix Open and Barrett Jackson and the other car auctions as economic boons for our cities, as a time to celebrate who we are with a lot of tax dollars that come into the state and a lot of publicity for us that we wouldn't otherwise get. All of that is true. I think all of that is absolutely true. But the predators see this as an opportunity to bring the, these trafficked girls and commit heinous acts and crime in our valley. So it's something to keep your eye open about. I'm glad that all of these agencies are you know, in this equally and saying that this is one of the things we can stop. And I love the fact that they're going to people that have more eyes. It's more eyes on the landscape in these areas where it happens most, whether it's resorts or events, and they're out there looking. And traffickers need to know these pimps, these people that are trafficking these young girls need to understand that if you do that here, we are going to find you. And when we find you, we are going to arrest you and you are going to be sent away for a long, long time. I think that's the message that must be sent. They must be made examples of because it's ruining people's lives. It takes years and years and years after this happens to some of these young girls to get their lives back. And we just don't want to see it happen. Coming up in a moment, um, we're going to talk about policing specifically. More news of officers being shot in the line of duty, some of them being killed. We're going to talk about these gun crimes, and we'll talk gun control. All of it's coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, a topic I talk about often is policing from a bunch of different angles, only because I think it's kind of the key to a, a better community, is a safe community. We all want to live in a safe environment. And um, how do we achieve that? What are the best ways to achieve it? And there are, there are views across the gamut of what can be done. Um, I want to just read a few headlines to you. Police officer in extremely critical condition, one dead after shooting in a Memphis library. That is a story that was written uh, yesterday. Officer father to be killed by released convicted felon. California DA says Gavin Newsom has blood on his hands for warped criminal justice system. That is also a story from yesterday. The Portland Memorial dedicated to the city's fallen police officers is vandalized, startling and ugly. The vandalizing of this memorial. And last but not least, a Florida sheriff from Polk County 
warns would-be crooks after a homeowner shoots intruders. He said, we live in Polk County, and most people are armed. Um, So I want to go down this road slowly because we understand that there is a big push by some in this country that believes that we would be much safer if people were not armed. I disagree with that principle, but that's part of what people are saying. The other part of it is an attitude toward policing. So if – and I'm – if, I want you to think about what the public outcry would be. If the George Floyd memorial were vandalized, we would all be justifiably angry. If the memorials that have already popped up in Memphis for for um, for the man that was murdered by these police officers, if the police came in and took those down or the city took them away or somebody vandalized them, there would be justified public outrage. Well, the men and women that serve in law enforcement serve their communities honorably. These are good men and women that have, are doing a thankless job many times. It is very dangerous and they leave behind families that love them very much and we have police officer memorials here in in arizona why are we not seeing the same kind of public outcry and rage that you would do this that you would do this you know if they if somebody were to vandalize the vietnam memorial in washington dc we'd be outraged um they built a gold star family memorial at wesley bolin plaza it is something near and dear to my heart. My brother is is you know we went. I was there for the dedication, um, and I was there with many parents and relatives of fallen members of the military that came from Arizona or are connected to Arizona. And if somebody were to vandalize that, there would be a big public outcry. There just seems to be this thing now about policing that we don't talk about the good things they do. We we scream when bad things happen. There was a story today, and I almost connected it to this just to make the point, and I guess I will. Um, in uh, Homestead, Florida, which is south of Miami, it's it's a uh, um, it, it's a beautiful part of the state of Florida. It's on the east coast in southern Florida. A, an elementary school teacher, this male teacher, was having a relationship with a girl beginning when she was 12 years old. It got caught when she was 13. He called her his girlfriend. Um, nobody, including myself, believes that this is a systemic problem in schools, although we see it far too often. <clears throat> Nobody's saying that all teachers are there or most teachers are there to prey upon children. No one feels that way. And I will tell you that over the last couple of years, we have seen a huge number of these things happen nationally without it blanket covering the entire job of being a school teacher. What happened in Memphis was disgusting. What happened to George Floyd was disgusting. But somehow we then cover everybody in law enforcement. There are people calling for police changes and police reform from the president during the State of the Union address because of what happened in Memphis. And in my mind, what you're overlooking is the uh, the huge abundance of people that do the job the right way and everybody else is being held accountable for the actions of these few people starting there so you've got a police officer memorial that's been disgustingly damaged and it doesn't seem to be the public outcry and i'm just i'm just pointing out that's just kind of the world we live in right now but now you have people that are screaming about gun control so you've got convicted criminals that are being let out of prison Violent criminals being let out of prison. One of them kills a police officer. And um, the justice system doesn't seem to have much justice in it for people. Uh, We told the story um, yesterday 
about the San Francisco police responding to a burglary um, hours after it was reported. People feel as if they're fending for themselves. So um, there is a gun control measure across the country. They and people in California are saying that we can't do anything about gun control without national support. Here's what's interesting about this. Um, In California, um, California is one state of 50, according to the senior vice president of the law and policy for gun safety group, every town. There's just no question that uh, strong, uh, uniform federal laws are substantially better. California already has in place some of the most strict laws, waiting periods and things that they say are going to help nationally, which never help. They haven't helped yet. Now they're saying, well, it's not helping because we're not doing it everywhere. California can't do it alone. In Chicago, they blame the violence in their streets off people bringing guns in from other places. Um, and I, I, the reason why I harp on this is because I want to see it end as well. We don't have enough cops. Then we diminish the respect for the job. As a matter of fact, we have flipped the script completely. We have made criminals heroes, and we've made the heroes criminals until proven otherwise. And we've got to knock that off. We have got to stop with this idea that the majority of police officers are doing bad things or want to be abusers of the badge, power hungry. And until they prove otherwise to us, that's who we see them as. We've got to stop that impression. We've got to give them the resources they need. We've got to make sure they can do their jobs the right way. We have to punish people that are actually committing crimes and coming after a private citizen like myself because I own a firearm, believing that some Somehow making it harder for me, making me wait 10 days to get a firearm makes us all safer is such a false narrative. You look at these places like California, back to back mass shootings, and they have got some of the most strict gun laws in the country. At the very minimum, they are no safer in California than we are here in Arizona. And I'm not touting the fact that it hasn't happened here because it could. It could happen anywhere. We have very lax, very lenient gun laws in Arizona trusting the law-abiding citizens to do the right thing. And it seems to be working. And in California, there's waiting periods and all of these other things, universal background checks and all of this other stuff they do. And it's they're no safer there than anywhere else. Why don't we come up with solutions that work? In a moment, we are going to talk about uh, the new, not a new pathway, but a different pathway for migrants coming in huge numbers to America. We'll get to that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. What I have done and what I was doing earlier, we were talking economy and talking about solutions. I believe we have to talk about solutions. I'm going to complain just like everybody else does. But the people that complain and then say, why don't we do it this way? I'll give you a couple of examples. We had Tom Belshi on this morning, and you're going to hear more from him uh, a little bit later on in the show because Mr. Belshi is the executive director of the um, of the League of Arizona Cities and Towns. They are not in favor of rescinding the food tax and the rental tax in some of the cities and towns that actually have that in place. He thinks it will be detrimental for those cities. But they have some solutions that they are proposing. I love the conversation. I want you to have all sides of the conversation. We can bring them to you. 
And let's talk about how we can fix some things. We talked earlier about the job market, how we are hearing that in the job market right now, we're creating so many jobs, over 500,000 jobs added in January, crushing the estimate um, by more than double and almost triple, probably two and a half times. And uh, that there are so many jobs that are open right now in our economy that right now the job market is – it's tough. We're going to see more interest rate hikes. So it's got to slow this economy down. We're hearing all of these things. At the same time, we have been overloaded with people entering the country, abusing the asylum system, using false asylum claims as a pseudo pseudo immigration system in Arizona. It's not the right way to do things. It's not good for us. It certainly isn't good for them. The only ones that are benefiting are the cartels. Well, what if we had a bit of a different solution? Here is um, – Another number. Migrants in massive numbers try to reach Florida. What happens to their abandoned boats? So this is out of Fort Lauderdale. What happens? So there was a time. Many of you may remember it was ended during the Obama administration, but it started in the Carter administration. We called it the wet foot, dry foot rule with people from Cuba. Being the communist nation that it is, there was the Mariel boat lifts. They were called Marielitos. They came into the U.S. on these Mariel boat lifts. It was for a specified amount of time that Castro allowed people to leave his island for the states, and boatloads of people were coming over. Boats were leaving South Florida, uh, going into Cuba. They were were just overloading these boats and then sailing into Miami and Fort Lauderdale and Key West. And then it became the wet foot, dry foot rule that if you were a Cuban citizen and you reached the shores of America and you actually touched dry land, you would then say, I'm a Cuban citizen. I'm a political refugee, whatever you want to whatever you want to call that. I am a political refugee and I want asylum. And you were granted asylum because of your Cuban citizenship. But if they caught you in the water. You were then turned back around and sent back to Cuba. Well, what was happening during that time was people were making makeshift boats. I mean, literally rowboats. And there were jokes about it, and people talked about it a lot. But these were makeshift boats that were very dangerous, and a lot of people died on, in, in the waters between Cuba. And between Cuba and Key West, it's only 90 miles. But on a boat, that's a long distance. And when you can't see the shore, and it's deep water, and you're on this makeshift boat, it's tough. Well, more of this is happening now. People are finding ways to sail here and not overload the border in the other way. I say all of this because we have to find a solution. Um, Now, it's going to be different for Cubans because I don't think that a Cuban, although there is a U.S. embassy now, we have kind of um, we have restored relations. Although the Cuban people are still mistreated by their government and oppressed in many ways. Um, If we have a system where people, when they get into Mexico, when they are safe from the places they are living in, whether it's Venezuela or some of these other countries, if they are able to apply instead of for asylum, apply for a work visa, a temporary work visa. They are allowed passage into the U.S. They are given a car, uh, you know, a card that lets them come and go across the border freely. They have a job that's waiting for them. They're not entitled to U.S. services. You pay taxes on the work that you do. You can send money back home to your family wherever they are legally. It would solve a lot of issues. And a lot of these industries where we are adding people right now are in the hospitality industry and others. We need people here in Arizona. The construction industry is immensely understaffed. Over two hundred thousand jobs. Jobs will need to be filled in the construction industry in the next few years. Why were, why aren't we? And maybe 
maybe this isn't a terrific idea, but I haven't heard from anybody on the other side that would say why this is not a good idea. I would love to hear it because you could defeat my argument if you have it. I will admit I didn't think of that and you make a good point, but it checks a lot of boxes for me. The headline out of Arizona says, as Ducey's shipping container wall comes down, wildlife concerns and lawsuits are left behind. Now, again, I love animals. I consider myself an environmentalist at the core of not not environmentalism as we know it, not radical environmentalism of the government and its people that are the problem and climate change. And I don't buy into the way things are being done there. But I will tell you that I want Arizona to remain pristine. I, I believe in taking care of the deserts. I believe in taking care of the forests and the, the herds of game animals and making sure that the air is clean and the water is clean. And I'm worried about the drought. And all of those things like another person is. But you're talking about Yuma County that has been overrun and you hear the sheriff of the of I'm not Yuma County, this town of Yuma, of Cochise County. You hear the, the managers and city managers in Yuma and the mayors saying that they have seen a difference when these structures go up. And what we're writing about is the wildlife and lawsuits. And that's the other part of this that makes me a little bit upset and we can find solutions drawing attention to the problem was a good thing busing people all over the country um, as a as a show of this is how bad it is worked the mayor of new york has been one of the loudest critics of the administration and their handling of this because migrants were being sent to there and i'll tell you busing people has worked out and flying them has worked out so well the governor now governor hobbs is continuing the program she just says she's being nicer about it but she's not stopping the program so it seems as if it has worked or it is working coming up in a few moments i talk to you about mr belshi from the arizona uh, the league of arizona cities and towns he joined us to talk about this and if you didn't hear it i'll suggest you go back and listen to the entire interview it was very thoughtful but i want you to hear a little bit of what he says is good and what he says is bad about ending these taxes so all that's coming up here next